What is up, everybody? It is myself, Nolan Owen. Welcome back to the Make It Happen podcast. Today, we have Coach David Riley, the head coach at Eastern Washington University for the basketball team, men's basketball team. Super, super excited for you guys to listen to this one. It's going to be such a great one. I was so excited to, to decode and learn how Eastern Washington and specifically the men's basketball team, how they've been so successful over the past 10 years, why they've been so successful, and how Coach Riley came from playing at Whitworth University, a D3 school up the road uh, in Spokane, to now being the head basketball coach uh, at Eastern Washington. So it's just such a great episode. Be ready to take notes. If you get value from this episode, if you get value from this podcast series, podcast episodes, please share it around and write a review helps the show grow that's all i ask of you and uh i'm just excited to see more people making it happen uh we got our football camp coming up at the end of this week so it's it's big stuff right right now for for everything going on and make it happen so thank you guys so much again for tuning in here is coach riley i've watched some of the videos about like you talking about your life and stuff but like where does your love for basketball begin right everyone sees you now as head coach of you know the the conference champions eastern eagles but like where does this all begin uh like 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 anything with sports like just uh playing playing with my dad growing up playing with my friends my my family was not big on letting us play organized sports until i I don't know what the age was but all my friends were playing it we weren't allowed to do anything organized anything that was like coached really um because they just wanted us to have fun with it you know and that's probably sparked some of it, and then after that, it's just kind of that that team, the the idea of being on a team, the idea of working towards something every year and having a goal and having something that you can really tangibly see. I think that was just something that that clicked with me. Right, really cool. So you end up going to Whitworth. Like, talk about your experience there. Like, I, we talked off the air. Like, there's some legitimate dudes that come out of <laughs> Whitworth, and every, everyone that I've met, super cool culture that's over there. So talk about like your time there and how that was. Yeah, um, I, I had a great experience out of Whitworth. Um, basketball-wise, got to play every single year, was a part of some championship teams, and really got to, I think the, the big thing with Whitworth is, is they make you feel like, you, you know, it, it is the biggest thing there is. They're, they do a great job with, with their crowds. They do a great job making the student-athletes feel like they're part of something bigger you know, at, at, with the institution. And, that's why they've had so much success, and I think it was just really fun to be a part of that. Right. That's really cool. And let's even just back up a little bit. So like we talked about, you went to high school in Palo Alto. How do you end up going from, from you know, California all the way back <laughs> yeah. up to Washington, where you're originally from? Yeah, so my, uh, my dad's college roommate was Glenn Williams, and he was the old, or he was, he was the Mead coach um, up until about last year. And so they, they went, both went to Whitworth. And I would spend my summers up in in, uh, in Spokane. Okay. And if you get to spend two weeks a year of July in Spokane, you would think it's the best place in the world. There's, right. The weather's incredible. Um, got to do a bunch of outdoor stuff, go to basketball camp. And so just fell in love with the area. Um, Coach Hayford recruited me up to, to Whitworth, and it was, uh, it was a great decision. Right. That's yeah. really cool. So, you know, you talk about you have a pretty good success at – Whitworth, you had a really good career. What was kind of those common themes between those teams that really, um, those years where you were more successful than others? Uh, at, 
I mean, just the hyper-competitiveness. Like, we, we had some overly competitive people that, that just made practices great. Um, it was just something where you were going to be on edge or uncomfortable if you didn't bring it every single day. Right. And just to have people around you that push you like that, um, I think that's, you know, we, we look at our seasons when I was playing at Whitworth, I, we were, we run, we probably lost six or seven games all, every year. Um, on average, and you know, to have a career like that where you were, where you were that good, you have to be around some special people. And so, um, but the biggest thing is that they're just everyone was hyper competitive, everyone was intense, and I think that culture um, was was able to be brought over from Whitworth to, to Eastern basketball, and that's one of the big things that's been able to we've been able to build on. Wow. So, what do you think it takes to really like? I know you you said it there, like cultivating that that competitive environment, but how do you allow guys to really let it loose and get guys that maybe are kind of those like floaters, those fringe guys, like we all know them, and get them over the edge so it really does become like the, you know, that dial gets turned up? Uh, so, I mean, I think there's obviously a bunch of different ways, ways to do it. Um, and I just, looking back, like you said, like that's one of the most important things to me as a coach is like cultivating that competitive environment. Mm -hmm. And... For me, and something that's been a theme in my life, is just keeping guys in reality. Like, you know, your, your goal is to play in the NBA or play overseas or, or whatever, be an all-conference player or get on the court or whatever it is. And so if that's your goal, there's going to be a bunch of different kind of sub-goals that are going to help you get to that, you know, whether it's, hey, my goal is to, um, you know, make 500 shots a day or, you know, Making sure that everyone understands what it's going to take to get to their their ultimate, you know, final individual goal, and then if I know what they're reaching towards, and I can help them stay in reality every single day, then it's really easy for me. I don't have to yell at people. I don't have to make you know. I don't. I don't have to be the one bringing discomfort. I, we can show it on film. You can show it through stats. You can throw it through. Show it through wins and losses in practice. It's just if you want to really reach your individual goal at the end of the day. What are you doing every single day to, to push yourself and make the next guy uncomfortable, make yourself uncomfortable? And like, I think that's something we do. The guys trust us enough to know that we're not lying to them. And we'll, we'll, we'll uh, encourage them and cheer them on when they're doing well. And we'll let them know that's probably not going to cut it when, when they're not doing well. And that's when you've got motivated guys, when you recruit the right kind of people, it, uh, it all works out because they're the ones that are driving, driving the, the bus. Right. Wow, I really like that. Staying in reality, that's something I'm going to use from now on with some of our guys. Because it is tough, right? Like, people, there's a lot of delusion at times, but I think, like you said, right, you start with that process of figuring out what are their goals, and then it's almost like, well, you just, you told me two weeks ago, this is what, what you said. It's not even me. Yeah. This is you, right? Yeah. Super, super cool. Um, reality goes both ways. Like, you, you know, it goes negative, too. People get down on themselves way too much. Right. You know, people get way too excited or way too down, and... It's, the reality is somewhere in between, and so sometimes the guys need a little extra juice, a little little more encouragement. It just right. just depends on how you want to, with what they need. Right, man, yeah. that's really interesting. So I'm listening to Eleven Rings right now. I'm sure you've read that before, yep. right? Yeah. It, it's really interesting. This all just is such a dichotomy, right, of leadership, of towing the line. How what like what's your process? with figuring out what a guy needs? Because every great coach, you ask him these questions, or it depends on the individual. What's your process of really hmm. you know, motivating different guys or um, getting the most right out of each individual? Uh, shoot, just relationships, I guess, right? Like, I think that's, 
that's the biggest thing. And as a basketball coach, I try to make sure I understand what makes guys tick. And part and part of that is going through the exercise I discussed with you earlier. It's like, um, hey, what's your what's your goal out of the next four years at, in, in, at college? Well, I want to get my degree. I want to you know build relationships. I want to win a championship. I want to become a pro. Whatever those things are. And then we talk about what what's going to take to get to each of those things. And now I know kind of what makes most most people tick and that's a good way to start but at the end of the day it's just spending time and getting to know people right and it's a lot how even for me i'm just like kind of applying it to our (laughs) world and it's like man can i do that with 105 guys might be a little tough but it's really cool like the group that you have you're able to touch every person individually which is really cool um you know like we talked a little bit about it for before but coaching is in the Riley blood. When did you know, did you always kind of know you wanted to get into coaching? Like, and, and obviously, like, I can see when you're out there in the practices, the games, like, you have a real passion for this stuff. So when did you start to find that? Was it kind of while you were playing, you already had an idea of what you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, I thought about it a lot in high school. Um, just growing up, like, going to my grandpa's house or sitting with my uncles and, and hearing their stories, um, about coaching and at the end of the day like they both had a lot of success as coaches but it was always about the relationships that they had or the the underdog story that that kind of came up throughout a throughout throughout a season with an individual or um just kind of hearing those stories motivated me to really you know that's something that they they got to be a part of something they they love but they also got to mentor people and change lives and just kind of seeing how full that life is kind of made it click with me a little bit um but no i think that's that's something um that was in in my head but i didn't decide to become a coach until uh like right right after my senior year at college it was it was tough decision right right because you wanted to keep playing for a little bit right wanted to keep playing i was i was trying to go overseas no one wanted to, to to pick me up unfortunately uh but yeah then just you know there's, a, there's not much money in coaching your first <laughs> few yeah. years. And, and just the idea of, okay, do I want to kind of go down that road? And um, I'm glad, glad it all worked out and, and made the decision I did. Right. So you come here and you're a GA for Coach Hayford, right? Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about those, those first years and, and what were some of the lessons? Like, how did you, even when you were under Coach Leggins, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's how you say his name. Yeah. Um, like, a really good time probably right you probably picked up a lot of stuff like hey how does this program move because it's always been a pretty successful program or some of the lessons you you took away and like you know obviously you did a really good job of detaching and probably seeing things from a bigger picture perspective other guys wouldn't how did you get to that that yeah. mind frame well the great thing is I, I I got here when the program was in a fresh restart so uh, my college coach Jim Hayford at Whitworth got the job at Eastern right um, and I got to come in his first year, and it was, um, you know, a completely fresh start. We were not that successful in the previous years, and so I got to be a part of building this thing from the ground up and, and really get to see what, what was instilled in the culture. Um, and so I'm, I've, and then I've been able to see it grow to what it is today, where it's like, you know, last 10 years we've been the best team, team in the big sky. Right. Right, you know, when you look at wins and championships and all that. And, and so to be able to see... Every step of that growth, I get to understand where the foundation is, um, and that's just come from picking and choosing different parts of each year. Like, hey, 
our first couple of years we did this well, our next few years we did this well. Hey, Tyler Harvey worked like this, or, or this guy did this, and yeah. it's just kind of taking these different pieces from each year and scrapping the ones that didn't work, and it's built into something to where it is today, where um, we've got a hell of a foundation that, that Coach Hayford and Shante left, and I get to just keep building on it. Right. What were some of the biggest adversities, and was there any times where you know, you are, I've seen a lot of our football coaches go through it right early in your career, and it kind of feels like you're ready for that breakthrough moment, but it's not happening. Is that kind of relatable to, to you in your beginning of your career? Um, individually, I think it was just a, it takes a lot of luck to, to become a head coach, right? right? And so um, I was, I worked my butt off my first two years as a GA, tried to do as many different jobs as I could. The next year I did the ops and I was, I learned a lot. I, I really dove into the analytics side of things and um, tried to do as much as I could outside of basketball because you're not allowed to coach as an ops. But that was really hard. Wow. And so I was, I moved, I was, um, I interviewed at a Division three job in, in Indiana and I was going to, I was flying home. I was on my connection flight to, to Phoenix, flying back to Spokane. And I was about to meet with coach and, and tell him I was going to take this job in Indiana for like, I don't know, $10,000 and a place to live at a small D3 school. And, and then on that connecting, you know, when I got to Phoenix, Coach Fortier called me, ended up t going, going down with his wife who, who got a job, and I ended up getting an assistant spot and staying here and, and wow. you know, just kind of got lucky that the timing was right. And there's plenty more of those situations that have happened uh, along the way. But just work, working hard and, and getting lucky and just trusting that, that God will put you in the right spot. I think that's kind of like the the way I got it, and, and it's just going to be different for everybody. Sometimes people are going to take more time, but just, you know, just enjoying the process is kind of the most important piece. Right. So you talked about with your players, you have that process of talking about what are your outcomes, what do you want out of this. I assume you did the same with yourself when you started in coaching, right? Like what was your why to get through those times when you're you're making ten grand and <laughs> and doing all those odd jobs, right? That that every, everything gets passed down the chain to you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I think just the, the relationship piece, like the, the the ability to even as a grad assistant to know that you're helping change someone's life. Like we had these two guys my first year, love them to get to death. They they were both the first kids in their families to ever attend college, and they were one class away from getting their degree and they sucked at math and they I would sit in that conference room right over there and I wasn't even you know I was literally just sitting in the room as they did their math and we just I was just in there to make sure things were going right they would sit in there for two hours they were taking this one class it was just spring quarter all they needed to graduate so we'd sit in there for two hours a day talking making sure they were focused and when when they graduated like they thanked me for helping them set that routine their mom you know, made sure to find find me when when it was graduation, and I, it was clear that I was able to help affect their life positively, even as a GA. And it's like that's why you get into coaching is, is stuff like that, and and it's just it, that that little piece can keep you going for the, for the tough years, and then it gets a little more fun once you actually get to coach and get on the floor a little bit. Right. That's really cool. I had no idea that you weren't allowed to coach, like especially as having that coaching <laughs> bone in your body, you're probably yeah. just going crazy, right? <laughs> yes, it was tough. Yeah, that's really cool. So yeah. you become head coach, and all of a sudden, it's probably, correct me if I'm wrong, like a lot more you realize is on your plate and all these different things that I'm sure they were preparing you for, but even when I talk with Coach Pat, who's the OC at Fresno State now, it's just different. There's a lot of different responsibilities. 
and especially being one where like I've heard you talk about it in a lot of interviews, but allowing a team to find its identity. How did you allow you know these past two years, uh, and really what was your like, what was your process in, in coming to allowing that team to find their identity? Uh, I think it's a, a lot of trial and error. Like the way we play, it, it's it's very unique in, in college basketball. It's it's guys out there reading the game, reading reading their teammates. It's it's really reliant on them kind of making decisions rather than me putting them in sets that's going to win them the game. They have to make reads and come up with their own solutions. And so they need to play together a lot. And so we compete a lot in practice. We break things down in, into three-on-three. Three and some teams, it'll, it'll come quick. Some teams, it'll take, you know, for us, I don't know, we were, what, three and seven or something like that to start the year off. It took us ten games to figure right. it out. And, um, you know, my big thing is I don't want to be – the the voice in every huddle. I don't want to be the voice in every in every film session. You know, my, I feel like my job is to talk, and then spark them into conversation. Because if they have to make the reads out there, you know, that's they they have to be the ones talking things through. And um, I, I just think that's my what I've found the most success is when I can take a step back and and let the people that are on the floor or that are actually doing the work um, make make their own answers. That's kind of been my easiest way of finding, help, helping guys find their identity. Um, but there, there's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, I think. It's just take, being patient and, and not, not letting your ego get in the way. Right. How do you not let your ego get in the way? Because I feel like that's an issue for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you want to control. Like, it, it's easy in basketball to want to control every, every little thing. And I think that's, to me, sometimes it's like, that that's your your ego to some extent is like no I can control it better than than them finding their own solution and so um, I understand that I'm not I don't have the same experience as a lot of the coaches in the Big Sky or you know my goal is to go win an NCAA tournament game and and if I'm going to go against some of the best coaches in the, in the history of the game I'm not going to be able to outthink them or, but if I can have four assistant coaches and I can have five guys on the floor that all are actually allowed and have ownership and can can mm. take over a game mentally, well then our brain power together is going to beat out one or two guys if they're working together. Like I just think that the power of, of really having five five guys on the same page or a whole team on the same page can can really catapult you towards towards more success. Yeah. So how do you how do you give that ownership to to these coaches to the players and and what does that look like? For right, because that's that's such a good thing that you said there, and that's what I found with a lot of these successful coaches is they empower others to do it kind of their way. But like you're saying, it is, and we've said before, it's a balance, right? Because you don't want to let people just go absolutely crazy, and right, there's no standard. Like, how do you let them know, like, here's the standard, but like you're empowered to do it your way? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> recruiting. <laughs> like, you get the right people. Like, honestly, if you have high character, highly motivated people, um, that, it helps if, you, they, if they're also have a great basketball background or have some sort of IQ. Like, if there's other intangible, the two big things, I think, are, are just character and, and motor, right? right. Um, if you got that, people are going to, you can trust them to figure things out. And as long as you kind of teach the, the broad strokes the right way and, and make sure everyone's pushing in the right direction and no one's rowing against the boat, um, I think... It just kind of works itself out. Right. So how do you decipher? I mean, I've seen, 
obviously a lot of recruiting with, with our team. How do you decipher through some of those, like, bad apples or some apples that really look like they're good, yeah. but they're not, right? And, and really finding those high-character individuals, especially for you guys, because basketball it's kind of drinking out of a fire hose with everyone that's entering the portal, right? So is it <laughs> a lot of just, like, word of mouth from guys that you guys trust, or I'm just interested to hear, like, what, that, what that's like? You know, it, it comes back to, to relationships. Like, almost everything we've talked about, there's some level of relationships being, being the biggest piece for, for recruiting. Recruiting is relationships, right? It's like i got to trust that the high school coach that I've known for 10 years or the AAU coach or the guys who's playing against them, like whatever my relationship was with someone that's, that's telling me about a kid, that's what we got to trust. Um, and that's something I've learned over the years. Like at Eastern Washington, we're not walking in a gym at an AAU tournament with 100 coaches and saying, you know, watch some guy run down the lane and dunk it. Well, all 100 of those coaches saw it. And we're, you know, especially 10 years ago, we're not going to go beat out a bunch of teams just because I saw a guy in the gym and, and it looked good. No, I'm going to trust the high school coach that told me about a kid that wasn't able to play AAU that weekend because he had a prior, like whatever it is, there's usually a reason we, we get a diamond in the rough. And so it's just... Our best people have always had a reason to come to Eastern Washington, whether it's a relationship, local ties, um, someone we knew, like even over even overseas. <clears throat> it's all relationships, and I just think you just, you got to trust people. Right. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool to hear that because you guys have done a really good job going and getting these guys, like Angelo, and I mean, you could go down the line. I wouldn't even be able to name them all, like just off the top of my head. But we've gotten a lot of really good guys from the portal, let alone. With diamonds in the rough before they even came in, right? Like guys like Steel. So this is kind of what, what I want to ask you about because yeah. you take pride in this. I know you do. Mm-hmm. This has been a place that develops guys, yeah. right? And you've been that's the mo on this place. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that and like what that's like to bring a guy like in like Tanner Groves that like no one cared about him, and then he goes to Oklahoma and balls out. Like talk a little bit about that. Well, we that's that's what we take pride in is, is development. <clears throat> I think. Part of it is because we don't folk, like we're going to trust our relationships recruiting wise. We're going to recruit our area. We're not going to send assistants on the road every week and miss practices because our hay's in the barn. We're going to work with these guys here. So mm. I think we spend a lot of time outside of practice, really, fo- and, and we we don't practice nearly as long as, as most teams as, as or in, in the country as a full team because I, I want to get more individual development with our with our coaches. Wow. Um, so that's part of it, but the, but the big thing is is finding guys that have a chip, like find like you know Steel Venters didn't have a scholarship, like he had a chip on his shoulder every time he walked on the floor. Like no one wanted wanted to give me a, a scholarship, even just earning his way into a scholarship position or earning his way in the court. He had more of a chip every single day because he walked in the gym every morning for practice, probably think thinking you know thirteen of these dudes are on scholarship and I'm not, but I'm I, I guarantee he knew he could. Bust their, you know, he knew he could be better than those than those guys every single day, and so that puts a chip on your shoulder. Tanner Groves not having a scholarship besides Eastern Washington. All these different guys that you can Tyler Harvey will walk on to to, to get drafted. Wow, I didn't even know right? that. You know, we, you go you go down the list. Every one of those guys has been overlooked to some extent, and I just think you get a bunch of guys that have a chip on their shoulder like that. That gets them back in the gym the, at the extra time, and I can I can say it's this fancy development program that we've got with as coaches, but I think it's more 
the people. Like we recruited the right kind of guys that, that are going to get back in the gym at nine o'clock at night when no one's in there, and that's nothing to do with any coaching. That's just them being motivated, and that's to me the biggest. Like yeah, we can give them a little path and we can push them in the right direction, but it's all on the the players. Right. That just gives me chills because that's the same thing that we talk about on the football team. Yeah. Every single guy in that weight room, like everyone has a chip on their yeah. shoulder because everyone was slighted, right, to some degree by these yeah. local Pac-12 schools or whatever. And I think it does, it, it makes for some dangerous development. Seriously, you mm-hmm. get guys that turn into some dudes. Um, you know, obviously you've, you've seen so many great guys come through here. Give me a little bit of those, those traits that each successful individual has. I asked Steele that because Steele, it was really cool talking to him because he was really good at, he, he's like, I came in and I just looked at like who was playing and why they were playing. And I'm like, wow, isn't that crazy? Like common sense, right? Like why don't more people do that? But from your perspective, why are some guys or what, what, what's the common traits between those successful individuals? Yeah, that's funny. That's funny that Steele said that because that's been <laughs> the, the guys who really figure it out, they can simplify things. And I think great great coaches can can simplify things because right. you don't want players out there thinking through a bunch of things. It's just, how can I simplify this and let them be free and, and make their own decisions out there? Um, so what we've simplified our recruiting into um, is four different categories, right? First couple are basketball-specific. So we want to get um, skilled. We want to get skilled players. When you look at our teams in the past, most of our successful players have been very skilled for their position. You know, Steel Venter is one of the most skilled, best shooters. As Jello, super skilled six seven guy. You know, Tyler Harvey shot the hell out of it. Bogdan, like you go you go down the list of all the great players we've had. They've been overly skilled, not necessarily overly overly athletic or anything like that. But it's the skill piece has been there. So that's one of the four things we really recruit to. Character. Oh. Characters, the, the second one, right? They got to be high character. They got to be the ones that, are, like we were talking about earlier, they're going to want to get back in the gym. They're going right. to want to be overachievers. Motors, the third one. You can see that obviously with guys who were, and I kind of, I guess, motor is, is my 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 version of motor. Motors also getting back in the gym at six a.m. or getting back in the gym at night and wanting it more than other people and being a gym rat. Like I think that's that's a that's a huge piece of it. And then IQ is a huge deal for us. Like you, you've got to be able to think the game, um, and and I just think guys that that want to use their brain. Like you don't have to be a genius out there, but guys that want to use their brain, guys who want to come back in and watch film. Um, so those four things are the things we recruit to, and then you go look back at all the previous players because that's what we did. We're like, okay, what are the big traits that all of our all of our successful guys have? And those those four kind of came into the into the fold. And you can go to any one of our offices. On the upper right-hand corner, those four things are written down just to keep in the back of our head, like, hey, those are the four things we want to recruit to. Right. So you have dissected your own success. That's really, really cool. Of course you have. You've been here forever, right? <laughs> yeah. um, really, really cool. Um, what's, what's your approach like day-to-day? Like, what does a day in the life look like for you? And, and I, this, this is a serious question. Are you, like... Is it a lot more demanding as a head coach compared to an assistant coach? Or are you, are you able to kind of make it sort of the same because you have such a great ability to, to delegate and trust others and have those relationships? So I feel like I see a lot of coaches, head coaches, they go become a head coach and all of a sudden they're getting like three hours of sleep and because they don't trust everyone to do it the way they're going to do it, right? And they're worried about it not done it 100% clip exactly the way they want it. Like, 
how are you able to, to manage that? Because I assume it, it's, you do a good job of that. We've already talked about it. Um, well, the great thing about being, being a coach, not even a head coach, is just a coach, is that there's no day that's the same. Like everyone's got their routine, but the day in life is very different today than it will be next month, than it will be next month, and next, like every month is different, every week is different. Um, but I think the big thing for me is just making sure that guys understand what their, what their role is as an assistant, um, and then making sure I, I build the relationship every single day with our players. You know, um, some, I try to talk to them every single During the season, it's easy. Like, you're going to talk to them every day, but I make sure I talk to them about something that's not basketball. Mm. During the offseason, I try to give them some space. Like, I, may, I, I, I try on, on, like, Wednesdays not to see the guys unless they want to come up here to the office because they, they got to listen to me all season. They got to listen. You know, we have workouts four days a week. And if they're going to see me on Wednesdays, it's going to be non-basketball. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about fishing, whatever. Like, it's, I, I try to make it non-basketball because I just think it's so important to, to not just be a coach that, that you can only talk hoops with. And it's just like there's, they, they seem like a robot. They don't seem like a real person. I want these guys to understand that I'm with them and, like, hey, we don't need to be on your ass talking about hoops every single minute or every single day. Right. Um, I think that just creates a little bit of balance. And... Honestly, being a basketball coach is a lot easier than being a football coach. Like, I've seen my uncles do it. You guys got, I don't know how many people on your roster. Like, it's, it's basketball, we got, we got 15 guys on our roster. I got, four, I got, you know, four assistants that are, we're all in this together. And it just makes it, I think, a little bit more realistic to, to run a, a sharp program. Right. I know Coach Bass <laughs> is listening to this right now, just being like, ah. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Um, so I came to one of your guys' practices, talked to TJ a ton because we, you know, we didn't have the best year last year. So I'm like, hey, we need to, we need to go look at everyone's success and dissect it, right? Just like you looked at your, yourself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously I've been watching from afar, hearing a lot about you. And then, yeah, Coach TJ's like, you got to go check out a practice. And I, and I go up there. I used to go up there quite a bit, but I just would do my schoolwork. And then one day I'm like, you know, I can let go of my rigid schedule for like 30 <laughs> minutes and I'm just going to sit here and just watch mm-hmm. and it was like right before you guys went to the tournament and just jawing physical I was like like check the calendar I'm like wait the tournament is still this weekend right but it's kind of what we talked about before right at Whitworth having that competitive environment but I went and I saw this and I was like this is different mm-hmm. and I just want to hear like we talked about it already before but like how do you know especially when I'm watching it like when to stop, start, when to push guys, when to stop and, you know, talk about a lesson. You know, I noticed there was a couple of moments where you stopped. And I, you totally could have chose different moments to, but this one moment you went and you got mad at a specific guy and he talked back to you and, you know, you shut him down. But I just want to know, like, <laughs> is it really a feel thing or, like, how do you, how do you know when to, when to stop and the rhythm of practice? That's, that's a great question. Um, and it's something... We talk about as, as a staff, we, we, I, I really tried to analyze it. I think we stop practices less than most coaches. I, I, I don't, I've only been at Eastern, so I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you for sure. Um, because we teach a lot through film. And so I'll break it down. If there's something that really pertains to the whole team or something that multiple guys have, have either done well or, or messed up, then I'll probably stop practice and, and try to teach something through it. Um, and I just try to kind of bring whatever the, the team needs. Like, that's the great thing about being a head coach is everyone's got their roles. 
in a perfect world, I wouldn't, I could step back and not do anything. But I got to read, okay, this practice is lacking energy, or we're not sharp on this side, or we're not, our defense isn't doing this right, and I can kind of pick and choose where, where I want to insert myself. And at the end of the day, it, it, it's all about mindset, I think. And so a lot of times, I don't have to worry about our guys being competitive. Because once we go live, it's like a light switch goes on, and you saw it. Like, they're getting after it. It doesn't matter what day of the year it is. Like, we had an assistant that we're um, bringing in that's, that's new. And we had a two-on-two workout yesterday with, with four guys. And he walked away. He's like, oh, Coach, that's not normal. Like, what you guys, the way you guys compete, the way the guys were getting after it and talking and, and, and getting emotional, like, that, that doesn't happen in, in, in May of, of, an, of an off season in, in, with four guys in a, in, a, in a workout. And so I think just having guys like that where really I just got to kind of tone things back every once in a while or I can just right. give guy, someone a little needle and they'll get going. You know, when guys got a chip on their shoulder and you give them one little, you know, one little comment, that'll, that'll get them going for a whole practice. And I just right. think I, I just try to feel it out. Right. And I think, it, like you said, it comes back to those four things you guys already went through, right? Yeah. Get the right people on the bus, and that's going to be a lot smoother of getting, like, it should, like you said, it's going to happen organically. What exactly. is your, what's your planning process? Obviously, I'm a John Wooden guy, too, a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I delve into my basketball a little <laughs> bit. Uh, you know, and they, were, they always talk about his meticulous practice plans. Like, what's your planning process like? Are you, are you super detailed with that, or are you more of kind of like, this is what we got, and then we'll kind of flow with it, like, with practices and stuff like that? We, I'm really big on making sure the, the practice flows, and we'll switch things up, but we try to plan for it. Like, we spend, it's probably something we spend more time than, than most programs, is sitting in here and planning practice and going over each row and talking as a staff and making sure it's the right way to do things, because, again, I don't, I know that I don't have it all figured out. Like, we're, we'll throw different drills in, we'll throw different wrinkles in, in different things, um, so we have to talk about it as a staff a lot. Um, but I, I think once we go to it, because sometimes it'll drive these guys crazy, because I'll, I'll plan for a... We never practice more than two hours, but I'll, I'll plan a three-hour practice, and just knowing I'm going to cut... I, I, got, I can cut this or this, or I can cut this or this, and if I cut that, then I can use that tomorrow. And I, I just think it's really important, if things aren't competitive, let's throw a live drill in there. Or if things are a little bit heated, let's make sure we get some teaching in there and try to balance things out as much as we can. Right. So you talked about in one of your interviews, too, how you said, I'm just really grateful for the, the mentors that have got me to this point. Now, I find that really interesting. That's one thing, especially when I've talked to people with myself, even mentors, this is such a common piece of, of you know, there is no self-made man, right? Like they say, talk about the importance of mentors that, that you've had and, and why it's important, you think, for in order to, to, to get to the ultimate goals, like a lot of these people do, they want to be high achievers, like how important mentors are. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of makes you. At the end of the day, like I've I've got my basketball mentors, you know, Shantae, Jim Hayford, um, Craig Fortier, um, that that have really really helped me basketball wise, just kind of building this program, what we want to look like. Um, I've obviously had my 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 grandpa, and my uncle, who've coached at a high level, who I've heard tons of stories from and different things to look at that that have helped me from afar. Um, but you know, a big piece of it is 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 my dad. Like the reality thing that I was telling you about, that was his. My, my brother and sister, they, they laugh every time I say the word reality because that's my dad's catch, catchphrase. Like, we grew up in Palo Alto, California, which is a bubble 
um, you know, Silicon Valley, kids driving BMWs to, right. to school. And he, he was just, his huge thing was just making sure, like, we understood that this is not reality in the rest of the world. Like, my mom was the same way. We lived down in Guatemala for a few months to just be in a different situation. We didn't, like, and we just kind of lived very menially just so we could understand that, that there's other stuff in, in the world that besides wow. what, what we grew up in. And it's, and it's just like that idea of like, nope, there's other things going on. That the, no, in basketball, hey, you're, you feel like you're, you're doing great because you beat, you know, someone on, on, on Saturday. Well, the reality is the other team that lost, Montana lost the week before, but they're going to keep getting better and better and better because of those losses. Are we going to have that same edge? Are we in reality? Like, are we in reality every single day as a team? And I think that idea translates to basketball so well. But I got that from my dad, and it's like there's so many different things that come up from different mentors that I'm able to pull from, and I think just being around great people is something that, that can't, can't be overlooked. Right. Yeah, so obviously you, another thing that I think has been super huge with, with your guys' development is this little breakfast club deal. And I'm not going to lie to you, I took the idea – so a couple of years ago, I don't, you've probably never heard of this, but like four of us receivers were like, and receivers, like we, we talked in the hall quickly, like there's a standard of grinding. And like, if you go in here, I guarantee you like 14 hours of the day, there'll be at least one receiver in here at a time. But I heard about that and I was like, man, that breakfast club, that's a really cool idea. And we started doing these speed training sessions in the morning, whatever. Steele told me about the, him going to them. He said, I've never missed one. And it was like a workout before the, I'm like, this is legit. Talk a little bit about those. And, and really, to me, that's like, that gives your guys an edge, right? Like you would say so, too. For sure. Um, so, again, though, it started with the guys. Ty Gibson, I don't know, what it, he might have been a sophomore or junior, uh, kid from Issaquah. He was, I can't remember why, what point in the season he did this, but, hey, coach, you know, we have weights at 8. Can you come shoot with me at, at, at 7, 15 or whatever, and let's get some work in. Because so I, I was his position coach. I got in there every day at seven fifteen for about you know a month or two. Right. And the guys would see him in there because they would be getting in the weights. And then your tie started playing better. And he got started playing better. Started moving up the rota- up, up the rotation. And then you know Ken, I think Kim Aiken was a redshirt that year. And he was like, hey, coach, like, can, can I join? And so he came in, and you know that's. He, he's the, that's where we started calling it the breakfast club. We were just joking. We weren't eating breakfast. We were just getting our shots up before the day. And <laughs> then, you know, I can't remember who, who was next. It might have been Cody Benzel or one of these guys. They came, and then it turned into three of us. And then a couple of the guards wanted to do it. So they went down there with Bobby Suarez, and, and, and there's three guards in there. And then someone else wanted to come in and book, book out the bigs. And, we, and then all of a sudden there was like everyone on the team was doing it by the end of the year. Maybe it was early the next year. Everyone on the team was doing it. And so I walked in, and I'm like, well, shoot, let's just, we're already putting this in our hours or whatever. Why don't we make this an official thing and schedule it? And if guys want to do it, they can. If they don't want to do it, they don't have to. Like, we're not, we don't practice that long, so this is their, their, their option to come to it. But it's going to help them get better. Um, and it turned into this thing where our whole, almost our whole team will do it throughout the year. And it's just 30 minutes every day where they're getting extra work in, they're getting some skill work in, they're getting extra shots up. And it's just kind of the standard at this point, and it's something that kind of just happened organically. Wow. Really cool. Yeah. It's crazy. Ty has no idea. He inspires the football <laughs> yeah. guys now, right? It's yeah. crazy it's how It's a that, crazy deal, right? Yeah. And that's like, we talked about like why I do this podcast. That's what it is. Like, 
when you drop a stone into a pond, right, the ripple, the recessional effect, like I'm obsessed with that. Like it just goes <laughs> down the line, right? And, and it comes back to what you're saying though. That only happens through relationships. Like people yeah. are the most important thing. Yeah. So I think it, it totally makes sense why you guys have had the success that you've had, all that sort of stuff. So obviously we talked about all the grinding, how you got success, but like you, you, you told giving the players, you told about giving the players a break, but like what's your process of like getting away from this? And, and, and are you able to, or are you one of those guys like just like me, like it, it all is always lingering, right? That little obsession. Um, I, I'm pretty good at getting, at getting away from things when, when the time comes. The spring has been different than most because of the portal. You know, these last couple right. of years have been very different. Um, but, like, for instance, I'm, I'm going to go to Germany on, on, uh, on Friday in, in, in a couple of days and just right. get away from things, get in a different time zone. The greatest thing is that when I wake up till about 1 or 2 when I'm over there, no one, no one texts me or calls me <laughs> because they're, they're all sleeping over here and just kind of kind of getting away from things. And, and I think uh, it's important to have balance. And I think it's important for the coaches to have it. I think it's important for the players to have it. Um, one thing I heard from one of the Gonzaga assistants that I really liked is they, they try to recruit guys <clears throat> whose I- only identity isn't just basketball. Wow. And so because they feel like, or they know, you know that everyone's going to have ups and downs in a, in, a, in a career. And so if your only identity is basketball and it's not going well, you crumble. And if you have something in your identity, and it could be something as simple as, you know, ha- really loving your family, having a great family, or, or, or whatever it is, but you have something else in your identity that you care about and you love, um, that's something that they look for because they need something else to, to hold on to when basketball is not going well. And so I just think getting away from hoops and, and finding something else that you enjoy doing and love or, or just whatever it might be is, is important for our guys to, to have a great experience here. That's powerful stuff. I think that is a huge issue, especially when you see guys stop playing. Yeah. Right? There's nothing else to grab onto and they just get lost. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, what's your approach like? Obviously, we talked a little bit about like, you know, you give guys goals in f- front of their face or whatever, but like, what's another way that you um, motivate guys when, when it's really easy to drink the Kool Aid? So, this year specifically, 18 and 0, right? Like, even all those games leading up to that, like how do you keep guys focused and then didn't end the way you want it to end, but then you get another opportunity and we show out versus a Pac-12 team. How do you get, because that's a really special trait that you and your staff has um, that you don't really see often. Uh, I think the biggest thing is to make it feel like it's not work. Like I think obviously we have the goals and we want them to understand that it's going to take hard work, but we also want it to feel fun every single day. Um, and so we talk about being reality. Hey, let's enjoy the fact that we're on an 18-game win streak. Mm. We just got had a road sweep. You guys are dead tired. Your bodies are hurt. Let's have some. Let's go to get a good breakfast on Monday and watch some film. Like we we can enjoy what we're doing. We can have a good Monday, but we're still gonna come in on Tuesday and be at each other's throats, like ready to go. And because that's what's fun. Like competing is fun. Hayford's big uh, big thing was fun is doing your best at something you love doing like it's not fun like do you do you or excuse me love that's what love is like do you love playing football when you're playing terrible yeah no it's not you don't you don't you don't really love 
doing bad at something that, right. that you claim you love. You know, you love it when you're doing your best. Right. When you're doing your best at something you love doing, I mean, that, that's, that's what fun is, right? And so um, I, I think just making sure the guys walk in the morning, there's music going on, they, they get, a little, get, get, some, get a snack in there, they're talking to their friends, like it's a fun warm-up, they're getting their juices flowing a little bit, and I, I don't want it to feel like it's a, it's a, it's a grind, but I don't want to feel like that every single day. I think that's something that helped us through that, that win streak, and I just think it's something that if you're going to do it every single day, we might as well enjoy it. Right. That's something, yeah, for even me to think about. Because some, some, to some, it'd be contrary, right? You want to grind, 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 but then when you have fun, do you get more out of it, yeah. right? And it comes back to, you know, one, one more question I kind of have in, in that basketball realm is you say you don't practice as much as other schools, and we're saying with football, but we're so damn to the clean to the shave efficient, right? Do you think that, you know, are you a big, like, quality? Obviously, you are quality over quantity, but, like, talk a little bit about that ideology that you guys have. My, my reason for not practicing long is because I don't think you can take a three-hour drag-it-out practice plus 45 minutes weights plus another 30, 40 minutes of skill work. Like, I just think that's too hard on your body during a season. Um, and so I try to make practices as efficient as, pro- as possible, try to keep it under, under two hours. You know, when, when we do weights during the season, it's, it's not long. It's 30 minutes or whatever. And so you do two and a half hours of work, your body can take a real skill work for, for another 30 minutes or whatever. And um, maybe it's not every day, but every other day or whatever it is. And I just think load management-wise, I think that's, that's a big reason on, on why we try to pra- practice uh, short. But the other piece is just attention span and, and I think quality over quantity – is, is a huge deal when it comes to those important reps. And, um, you know, I think that it kind of goes, th- those are kind of the two main reasons. Mm-hmm. Are you a big reader at all? Do you read a lot of books? In the off season, I, I go through a lot. Okay. During the season, I read about two pages and fall asleep. But, <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that. I'm t- <laughs> I'll go up in the, the little, I call them the Narnia rooms, you know, above the weight room, all those like crazy rooms. <laughs> yeah. And I'll get page five, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, Damn, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know it's real when you're sitting up and you're falling asleep. But <laughs> yeah. uh, that's really awesome. So what would you say, like, you got, like, a t- list of books just off the top of your head. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. But, like, what are some of the ones that have really – because I can tell I can tell readers, like, because <laughs> leaders are readers, right? But yeah. what are some of the ones that have really, like, shaped some of your mind frame, like – Talk yeah. to me a little bit about that. Um, the Culture Code and Talent Code mm, books mm-hmm. are really good. I really like those. Just, just kind of those books that use different studies um, and really to, to spell out an idea. Um, I think those those are good. Like all the Malcolm Gladwell stuff, I, I like his stuff. Um, I spent a lot of time, um, at, like all the Phil Jackson stuff, like he's kind of like a guy that I've, I've always been really curious about. And so I've read, read all of his books and it's kind of led me into just different, different paths. I think right now I'm reading Thoughts Without a Thinker. It's some, some Phil Jackson um, recommended book and just trying to get an, a better idea for, for psychology of, of, of people. You know, when you're, when you're trying to lead a team, you've got a bunch of different kinds of players and really trying to understand how leaders have, have helped people. So, I mean... Culture code and talent code are the ones that pop up in my head. Right. But there's there's a lot of good ones. I like biographies too. Yeah, that's fascinating because my 
offensive coordinator right now is like, you got to, whatever. We, we're on a huge leadership kick right now, especially just the stage I'm getting to in my career. And he, he you're, you know, you say you're reading all these books. He's like, as soon as you've done 11 rings, you're going to start reading all those Buddhist books and you're going to be, <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. But sure enough, <laughs> there you there go. You go. Um, I'm definitely, this one might be putting you on the spot a little bit. So don't, like I can, I can edit things out. But um, I ask everyone that comes on this question. It's one of my final questions here. And say everything you did in your entire life, all of it's gone. You as a person, your identity, it's all gone, but you can leave three things to your family, your future kids, three things, lessons, ideologies, theories, but nothing else. There is no David Riley. <laughs> Deep question. Damn. And I'm really putting you on the spot. But what would those three things be? At least, well, I know we'll get uh, an honest answer, right, off the top of your head. <laughs> yeah, very, very honest. Um, I mean, I guess the reality idea, um, just the, the concept and idea of staying in reality and understanding what that is, good or bad. I mean, I think that'd be a, a uh, something to leave with them. <laughs> it's a tough question. Um just something uh, to be in reality, stay curious. I think that's something that that's super important, and then stay in the moment. I think if those if those those are those are my three off the top of my head. Those those <laughs> yeah. are really really good ones. <laughs> the name of the podcast is the Make It Happen Podcast. So, what does it mean to make it happen to you, Coach David Riley? Um, man. I think just just trying to to make someone's day better, so to to help someone out, help someone else achieve their goal. At the end of the day, it all comes back around. So um, making it happen is is, is helping someone out. Mm. And there's Coach Riley. Thank you all so much again. Please share this around if you got value out of it. What a great episode. Let me know who else you guys want me to get. I will reach out. I will get whoever you want to get on or what else you want me to talk about. Any questions, feedback, all that. I want to hear all of it. So just DM me at Nolan Oma at Instagram uh, or on any other social media platform. So thank you guys so much. Again, go make it happen out.